we are introducing a new series. Um, that series is, I think, behind me here. Yeah, doing life God's way. You're going to do life one way or another. Life is happening whether you intentionally do it God's way or not. But we have a series that we put together. It's a six-week series. I'm going to be doing the first couple weeks of the series. Pastor will fill in the next two, and then uh, our uh, director of children's ministry, Matt Nicosia, will finish it. I'm excited about that. I think we're going to show you how God, what's God's intention for doing life, for your life. What is his intention? So without further ado, I want to get into my sermon here and get started because the longer I do this introduction of the program, the more you're going to be here because I'm not going to cut it short. All right, so let's start. I titled this, my, my sermon this morning is about the temple. The temple in the Old Testament was a place that God indwelt. And so you would go there and make your sacrifices to him at the temple. That was the Old Testament. Where's the temple at today? It's our body. It's us. We are a temple of God. Where's he at? Where's God at? He's in the temple. He's in our bodies. He's indwelling us. Where you used to go to a temple to find God, now you are the temple. So we're going to talk about that. And I titled this sermon, Mercy Deserves a Response. Mercy Deserves a Response. Turn with me to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'll be reading from the NIV. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So therefore, I urge the term beseech or beg comes out. You, that you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in light of the mercy of God. I think that this is a great time to just tell you what mercy is. What is mercy? Well, the definition just out of good old Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Listen to it. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or harm. So compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who I could hurt if I wanted to. Every right to hurt them or harm them. But instead, I show them mercy. That's the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary version of that. A little bit more biblical version would be this. Mercy is the act of not administering justice when that justice is punitive. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve death and eternal separation from God. But God provided an atonement for sin, and through it, he shows us mercy. That is, he does not deliver to the Christian the natural consequences of his sin, which is damnation. 
That is why Jesus became sin on our behalf and bore the punishment to us. It was to deliver us from damnation. But it's mercy. He is showing us mercy. He's not giving us what we deserve. He's not giving us what we deserve. That's mercy. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, when we look at his mercy, well, that therefore points me back in the book. It takes me away from chapter 12 and pushes me back. Where I went to is I went through chapters 1 through 11, and I looked at all of the things that I could say were God's mercy on display. So what are the mercies of God in chapters 1 through 11? What does mercy mean that, that we don't what? That we don't get what we deserve. We don't deserve any of these mercies, but God gave them to us anyway. Listen to what some of them are. I listed them, so I'm going to read them. We have been given love and grace and the Holy Spirit and peace and faith and comfort and power and hope and patience and kindness and glory and honor and righteousness and reconciliation and justification and security and eternal life and freedom and resurrection and sonship and intercession. And more than likely, I miss a couple. They're there if you look them up. There are three ways that Paul points out for us to show how we should respond in view of that kind of mercy. When you look at it and say, I was given eternal life that I didn't deserve. I was given the son. I didn't deserve it. I deserve hell. But instead, now I get to live with him for eternity. What should I do? What should my response be? So I look at it and say, I'm looking through the glasses of God's mercy at this point. What should my response be? I have three of them. They're in the passage. Number one, sacrifice. There's a sacrifice that's needed. Number two, there's a change. And three, there should be a transformation. The first response in view of God's mercy, deserves a sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's key, a living sacrifice. Up until now, the only kind of sacrifices that they were familiar with were dead sacrifices. Because in order to be forgiven of their sins in the Old Testament, they had to bring an animal sacrifice, typically slit the throat of the animal. The blood went on the altar. They ended up burning up the dead animal, the slain animal. But God is saying to us through Paul, he wants you to be a living sacrifice. I guess a question you may ask is, am I a dead sacrifice or am I being a living sacrifice? I'm not going to ask you that. I said that's something you could ask yourself. So he says, offer your bodies. God doesn't command it. He doesn't demand it. He doesn't put it down as a commandment. He says, offer. He wants you to do this on your own volition. Why? Why? Why would I do that? Because of his mercies. He has presented everything he's done for you. 
Now, would you just offer me your body as a living sacrifice? Would you just give me that much? Doesn't it seem like because of all I've done that you would want to give me your body as a living sacrifice? And body here doesn't mean just the physical flesh. Let's look. He says, who's he talking to? He says there that I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, that implies that he's talking to people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So he's already got your soul, right? He's already got your soul. He's got an eternity for your soul. He's saying, I want your body. I want you to make that a living sacrifice. And he urges you. That's that beseech. That's that parak. Might have to have help. I'm not a Greek student. Parakaleo, I believe, is the term. It's to beg you. It's to plead with you. Paul's saying, look at what he's done. Doesn't it just make sense that you would give him your body as a sacrifice? As a sacrifice. Paul reiterates this. He says in, uh, he says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God? Don't you know that you have the Holy Spirit in you? It makes sense that you would give your body to God. You already got the He's dwelling inside you. What kind of sacrifice? A living one, not a dead one. One that he can use. One that is holy and pleasing to God. How can I be holy and pleasing to God? Well, the very fact that the Holy Spirit lives in me lets me know that I can be holy. Not because I'm this great Christian or I'm this, oh, I, I've, I'm able to attain holiness. No, it's because the Holy Spirit indwells me. It gives me the power to be able to be holy. He's wanting to make me holy. But you know what? I'm not allowing him to make me holy if I won't sacrifice. If I won't give him my body, I'm saying I don't want to be holy. I'm not pleasing to you, so you can't use me as a living sacrifice. But because of the Holy Spirit and because of his acceptance of me, did you know that you're accepted? We used to do a song around here, in the beloved, accepted am I. I don't know all the words, but what? Man, a song with, I was a younger man at that time, and I would weep hearing this song. In the beloved, accepted am I. You, this morning, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, have been accepted in the beloved. You've become a part of his family. Wow. So what's the result? If I present my body as a living sacrifice, what's the result? Well, I can then worship in truth. It says that it's true worship. I'll read it again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. You know, worship isn't just singing. It's not just singing songs. You, you can think that, wow, the choir worshiped because they were singing songs. Well, what I saw was the choir worshiping in spite of the songs. In spite of the music that was being produced, I saw them engaging that they were in love with the Lord they're singing about. They're putting worth on him. They're worshiping him. 
When we did the offering this morning, I saw people worshiping him in truth. The people that put in the offering, I would say, have learned what it means to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice. They understand that this is just a part of my worship. Do I give money in an offering because God needs my money? No. No. He doesn't need anything from me. He wants me. He wants you. So when we put it in, we're saying, you know what, Lord? Not even you gave me all of it, so I'm giving back. No, Lord, I'm giving because you're worth it. You're worth me giving. You're worth me being obedient. So it requires a sacrifice, and that sacrifice is you. And it's you right now, today. It's an urgent thing. Make the response. Your response should be, here I am. I'm sacrificing. I'm a living sacrifice before the Lord who has shown all those things we talked about to me in mercy. Just the salvation, just knowing Jesus, I want to be a living sacrifice. Oh, I hope you can say that. If you can't, that should be your first response today. Responding to the mercy of God. And it just is a reasonable thing to do. It's the most reasonable thing to do. Next, second point would be there needs to be a change. You need to make a change in your life. If you haven't given him your body, you need to do that. That needs to be your first response. God, here I am, a living sacrifice. But now how do I change and remain there? Because if I do that and I don't have something else, I'll slip back and keep doing the things I was doing before. Here's what he says. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You want to make a change in your life? Stop conforming. If today you're saying, I've tried this before, pastor, and it just doesn't work. i always back where I was before. Have you ever stopped conforming? Have you ever said, I don't want to do the same things that I've been doing? I keep being conformed to the pattern of the world. And it's very interesting. Is our world better today than it was 30 years ago? What's the morals of this country? We don't even say moral because we have none. We have no morals. We've now watched TV that 30 years ago, they would never have shown what they're showing today. But we're conforming to it. And as we conform, they just bring it more and they take the morals lower and lower and lower and we just keep conforming. The reason I say TV is the average American will watch about four hours of TV every night. And guess what? Look at yourself, look at your neighbor, and say, you're an average American. Because you are. Every one of you is. Okay? And you come home from work and, oh, I'm tired and I'm worn out. I'm just going to flop in front of the TV. I deserve to watch TV because I don't want to think. Well, watching TV, you don't have to think much. You can put your brain in check. Just, but you know what? It's getting to you. It's changing who you are. All of a sudden, your vision, you, I was thinking, 40 years ago, I'm taking myself back, 45 years ago, when this church first started, was it okay for you to live, live with somebody you weren't married to? No. 
and it was frowned on. And people, if you were the one that was doing that, people would say, you shouldn't be doing that. Now they're telling you, today the world has changed so much. It's flipped so much. Now they're telling you, you mean you're getting married and you haven't slept with her yet? You're not going to live with her first? What's wrong with you? Say, I've got a higher standard. I've got a higher standard than what you're trying to tell me. But you have to change. Don't be conformed. Stop conforming. This implies, just in the way he says it, he's implying you are doing this. You are following the pattern of the world. If you weren't following, he wouldn't say stop doing it. Don't be conformed. Stop being conformed. Kenneth Wiest said it probably the best. He wrote it in a book. I got this quote from him, and, and he's kind of paraphrasing the verse. Listen. Stop assuming an outward expression which is patterned after the age. Stop. Stop this outward expression that you're just like the rest of the world. You're not. You're an alien in this world. This is not my home. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. I got a home up there. But if I'm living like everybody else, how will they know? How will they know? So he says, stop assuming an outward expression which is patterned after this age, an expression which does not come from within or is representative of what you are in your inner being. What is that that you're supposed to be, Christian? You are supposed to be a regenerated child of God. Stop acting like you're not a child of God. Start acting like you are. Stop being conformed to the world's pattern. It doesn't speak of God. It speaks of its father, which is the devil. And he designed the system. God didn't design the world system. He, put, he let Satan do that. That's why we just keep going lower and lower and lower to the point we don't even know what morals are anymore. Sad. A couple more quotes about this. The believer who has, this is my own quote, so may not be as good as these other ones I'm reading. The believer who has given himself as a living sacrifice will not be conformed to this world or its patterns. If I make myself a living sacrifice before God, I will stop being conformed. I will stop. I don't want to make these decisions anymore. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Stop being conformed. And then I found this quote completely unrelated to this sermon, but I wrote it down because I thought, what a great statement. And this guy's not even a Christian as far as I know. It's a secular guy. His name is John Donahue, or Donahoe, president of eBay. Listen to his statement. The world will shape you if you let it. The world will shape you if you let it. To have a sense of yourself and, and how you want to live. To have a sense of yourself and how you want to live. You must make conscious decisions. Conscious choices. Guess what? If you're watching four hours of TV every night, you're making a conscious choice. You're saying, I just want to see what the world has. Okay? All right, so how do I stop being conformed? How do I 
say, okay, I don't want to be conformed anymore. I want to give him a, I want to be a living sacrifice. I don't want to be conformed to the pattern of the world. How do I stop doing that? Well, that's point number three. There needs to be a transformation in the passage. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but, but being a contrast, we're going to change now. Be transformed. How do I do it? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to have a new mind. You've got to have a different thought pattern. You can't come home tomorrow night after work and do the same thing you've been doing if you say, I want to make a change. Huh? Is that what do they call that? That's, uh, what's the term? When you do the same thing over and over again, get the same results? That's insanity. So, you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And another way of saying that renewing, I think the true meaning of that renewing as I studied it, it meant to renovate, to renovate your mind. Now then, do you guys know the difference between new construction and renovation construction or remodel? All right, first of all, if I want to renovate my mind, if I want it to change, I first of all need a plan I have to make a plan. And then the second thing I do is what every construction guy that I know of loves. It's called demolition. We're supposed to be builders, but we love to demolish things because we have a plan to rebuild it. But you have to do some demo work on what's already in your mind. What's in your mind right now is keeping you from being a living sacrifice. Huh? So if I want to change, i got to change my mindset. How do I do that? Let's see. Listen to what David said in the psalm. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. Your word I have hiding in my heart that I might not be conformed to the world and its patterns. Huh? Doesn't that make sense? I'm going to take TV out of my life. I'm going to put the Word of God in my life. So what's the key to renewing your mind so you can attain true transformation? The key is the Word of God. The key is the Word of God. The key is the Word of God. I said it three times so you would understand. I think for you to be transformed, you've got to get the Word of God in your brain, in your mind. I want to change. I don't want to transform. I, don't, I want to be transformed. I don't want to be in the pattern of the world. I want to follow what God says. How do I know what he said? Not by watching TV. And don't tell me you're watching religious stations. Get in the Word. Get in here. You want to know what God has to say? Here. What does God have to say? Absolutely nothing when the book's closed. Absolutely nothing when it's in the back of my car from Sunday service. When I go to look for my Bible on Saturday night and it's in the dash of my car all week long, I'm going to tell you what, there ain't been no transforming going on. There's no transforming going on. And then here's the wonderful thing. Once I start this transformation process, once I got going on it, once you start digging into the Word of God, what's the result? Listen to this. The result of the transformation, right in the passage, 
Listen, then you, well, let me stop. I have people come to me all the time, and I know Pastor does, and Tim's had them, and Sean, and Deborah. You know, I just don't know what the will of God is in my life. I don't know what the will of God is in my life. I'm like, have you been reading the book? This might be a good place to start. Quit asking me for a shortcut. Get in. Dig in. Find it. The will of God is represented in his word. It's represented right here. And if you're not reading it, quit asking me what the will of God is. I don't know if you're supposed to go to Africa or not. <laughs> All right? That one there, I'll just tell you, that's, you're not going to find it in here probably either. But you'll find a lot of other things that will point you to whether or not that's even a wise decision for you. And don't start going to Africa and become a world mission if you haven't prayed. If, you got, if anybody here has aspirations of going to Africa and you don't come to the prayer meeting tonight, shame on you. I'm afraid you may make a decision that's not the best. And I'm not saying that going to Africa on a mission trip is not a good thing. It's not at all. But for you, look what happens. The result of me transforming, the result of me getting in the book, what happens? Look at this. Then you, every one of you, point to the person next to you and say, you're the you. Do it. Point them. You're the you. You are the you. Then you will know. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You don't have to ask me. You say, Larry, I know it's the will of God because I read it in his book. And you know what? If you said that to this pastoral staff, we'd all dance with you. He got it. He got it out of the word of God, not from me. Huh? What Would that not excite you, Phil? Of course it would. We want you to find out what the will of God is in your life. I'm trying to figure out what it is for my life. So, look at what kind of will it is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. I want the perfect will of God in my life. Well, look at this. How does that happen? It happens by a sacrifice. You make a sacrifice. You say, I'm willing to give you my body as a living sacrifice. I am going to stop being conformed to this world, and I'm going to find myself a new pattern by being transformed by the Word of God, and then I'll know the perfect will of God. My goodness. It's right there, isn't it? You shouldn't be so amazed. I'm not that good. It's in the book. I know a lot of you think I'm amazing, but it's not. My wife's not here, so she's not the only one. Okay. Okay, so now here. Here, let's finalize this because I'm running out of time. Actually, I got a little bit more time than I thought. Remember this. What's the title of the sermon? Mercy deserves a response. How are you responding to this right now? I'm going to be like Paul. I wish I knew exactly how he felt. But he said, I beseech you. This was an impassioned pleading with the people. He was begging them. I want you to enjoy the fullness of what God has intended for your life. I've been there. I know what it's like. It's nothing like knowing the fullness of God for your life. Nothing like it. 
And if you haven't been there, I want you so bad to understand it. I want you to understand what it's like to say, I'm willing to sacrifice my life. In light of what? Because you're good? Because somebody's preached a good sermon? No, in light of the mercies of God. He's been so kind to me. He's been so good to me. He gave me my wife. He's given me a family. He's given me his salvation. He's given me Christ. Eternal life. Do you know what eternal life looks like? Do you know what it looks like? I was where I thought I could lose my salvation at one time. I have eternal life. Eternal life. And not even I can mess it up. And if anybody could, I could. But I can't even mess it up. That's who I have. Can I give him my body? It's the only logical thing to do. It's the only logical thing to do. Give him your body today. You'll never be sorry. I promise you, if you give him your body, you'll never be sorry. Never. Never. You come back to me later when you've done what this word says, and you tell me, Larry, I'm miserable. I will say you never knew him then. See, if you're not a brother or sister, you have no idea what we're talking about. No idea. You can't give him a sacrifice if you don't know him. If you don't know him. Sorry. So in view of God's mercy, respond today. Now, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait until you don't have the same feeling. Maybe God, maybe the Holy Spirit right now is telling you, it's time. It's time for you to respond. Respond to the mercies of God by giving him your body today. Are you going to be saved? You're going to be saved if you don't. He's not taking it away from you. But you notice he doesn't, he doesn't put you in a headlock here. He lets you make the choice. Because if he puts you in a headlock, it doesn't mean anything. You were forced to say you'll give him your body. So what? You want to give him your body because of what he's done for you. The love he's poured out on your life. He sacrificed his only son so he could call you his child. Could you give him your body? A living sacrifice. Respond by making changes in your life. Respond today. I'm not going to do the same things I've been doing. How do I not do the same? I'm going to transform my mind. I'm going to think on things that God says I should think on. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to get in. You know, I'm not going to go home this afternoon and watch whatever on the TV. And you can be thankful you can't watch the Niners today. They lost on Thursday instead of today. So respond by making changes in your life to not be conformed to this world. Respond by renewing the mind. And oh, look at the promises. Oh, look at the results. I will know how to worship him. Truly worship him. Huh? If you come and you watch us worship up here and you go, I don't get it. They're all emotional and everything. Well, I'm emotional because I know the truth of Scripture. And when I start singing about God, I know exactly what I'm singing. When I'm singing that he's the great I am, he called himself the I am. I am that I am. Moses, when you go to the Egyptian people, when you go to the Hebrews and they say, who sent you? You tell them, 
The I am God sent me. I am that I am. That's when we sing the great I am, I can enter in and worship. Because he is the great I am. He's done all those things the song says for me and for you. This plane was a lot easier to land in the early service. I just would say my final thought, mercy, the mercies of God. They demand, they deserve and they demand really a response. If you leave here today and you come back next week and nothing's changed, it means you didn't respond. I'm responding. I just happen to be responding in front of all of you. I'm responding. I have to do these things. I have to do these things. This verse, these two verses changed my life. I saw them for the first time about 30 years ago, which means I wasn't paying attention the first 28 years of my life. But they became so real to me. And it was a one-time thing that I made the commitment. God, I'll sacrifice. I'll give you my body. I'll stop being conformed. And I want to know who you are. I want to know your will in my life. I started, but you know what? I did it 30 years ago. I guess that's not good enough. It's not good enough that I did it 30 years ago. I have to do this every morning before I crawl out of bed. When I wake up in the morning, I go, what do you got for me, God? What do you want to do with my body today? It belongs to you. You paid a price for it. Your mercies gave me a chance when I didn't deserve one. I've got to respond. I've got to respond. So the question that you have to ask yourself, this is tell me I have to stop. <laughs> the question you need to ask yourself is, what is my response? What should my response be? And you have to ask some questions to yourself. Am I already doing this? If I am, am I doing it fully? And what am I holding back? If you're holding back something, you're not truly sacrificing. You haven't done the full sacrifice. You haven't transformed your mind all the way. Well, that's my little corner of things. I, I, I don't really deal with those. I still want to watch the R-rated movies. And nowadays, you don't even have to watch an R-rated movie. You just watch regular TV. There's no, R, there's no rating to them at all. Just turn it on at 8 o'clock at night. It might be something you would have never watched 30 years ago. So you need to respond. You need to respond. Mercy deserves a response. Mercy deserves a response right now. Not 10 minutes from now. Not five minutes from now. Not an hour from now. Oh, I'll do that Monday. Well, good luck to you. If he's dealing with your heart right now, respond now. He's saying, child of God, I paid a price for you. All the mercies in your life, won't you respond Response is sacrifice, a change, and a transformation. Those are the three. Would you respond? I'll give you my body as a living sacrifice. I've decided I don't want to, I no longer want to follow the patterns of the world. I'm going to change. And the final one is, and 
I'm going to be transformed by your word. By your word. Father, we thank you this morning. Man, Lord, thank you for your mercies. Thank you for being such a kind and benevolent God. And God, I'm asking you that if you're touching the hearts of any of these brothers and sisters out here, and they know, they know that they haven't given you their body as a living sacrifice. They know that they're conforming to the world. They know they're not being transformed. Oh, Lord, I pray they'd make a response to you. They don't need to make a response to me or the pastor or anyone else. They need to respond to you this morning. And oh, if they do, oh, the joy, oh, the joy that you have set before them. I pray that, thank you, Lord, for this passage. If you had just given us the first 11 chapters of Romans, it would have been great. But, oh, I'm thankful that you gave us a time where we can respond, where we can do something for you. Use your word. May it go forth. May it be with our folks all week long. In Jesus' name, amen.